All right, thank you for being here tonight. A couple things before we get started. Um, <clears throat> before I, I started teaching the Filipino <coughs> Sunday school class, we used to do these uh, new attenders classes, and we used to do these uh, new member classes after that, a one-week, a one one-member, new member class, and I would do that during Sunday school hour, but um, I'm not able to do that now. I think the last time we had a new members class was June of last year, and so we are going to do one on April 30th. It'll be before the Sunday night service. <coughs> I teach Sunday school. I can't do it then. So we'll do it before the Sunday night service, probably uh, 4.20 to uh, 4.50, right before that service. And so that is for <coughs> those of you that maybe are newer since that time, uh, since last summer, and you've not, you're interested in membership and you'd like to go through it, or if you uh, want to become a member and haven't taken care of that yet, we'll go through that class, we'll explain some things about the church, or um, you, you became a member since last summer and you've not been able to go through that class. I encourage you strongly to be there. Your Sunday school teacher will get with you and, um, and we'll get that taken care of, and I'm looking forward to that, but I encourage you to be there uh, for that. And then... Speaking of the Filipino class, which, by the way, is the best Sunday school class in the church, it just happens I so, that I teach it, but it just happens to be the best. Uh, if you're here for my class, we're going to have just a brief, brief <coughs> meeting. I text you. Um, we'll meet in the 102 classroom right afterwards for about five minutes, so if you could help me there. I am, I am looking forward to Easter. Um, <coughs> I, go, I have staff meeting with the staff. Well, one other person is. Blanche and I are going to have a blast. Okay, right? I'm excited. Um, you know, we're going to, uh, uh, um, we, we, I meet with the staff and we go over how things are going and we always set goals at the beginning of the year, what we would like to see happen. And it's amazing is what we were looking at that is um, we're in April. We're really close to a lot of our goals already. Uh, good things are going on. So many new people here on Sunday morning. And I appreciate you uh, inviting people, bringing them, making them feel welcome, okay? Being friendly. Whenever I meet a new person, they're like, you know, it's fr the, the people there are just friendly. That makes a big difference. It really does. You, you, coming in the door, people don't know what to expect when they go to church, right? Is someone going to corner them, right? Someone says when people come to church, a new person comes to church, they do two things. They sit by the door so they can run away quickly, and they hold on to their wallets, okay? But you know what diffuses people's fears when they're going to a church, a place they've not been, when people are friendly? God bless Blanche. Blanche, you're on the front line. Stands there at that door on Sunday morning and is just friendly to folks, and, and uh, so we appreciate that. Thank you, Blanche. Now, having said that, this week everybody's Blanche. Okay, yeah, now let's clap, yeah. You're Blanche. So, okay. Help us out. People come, help them find a seat, say hello to them. If they come early and they look like they have the deer in the headlight look, <coughs> ask them, how did you hear about the church? Did someone invite you? If their friend invited them, help them find their friend. Okay? And so we're going to have a great, great day, and it just, it's beginning our um, spring program. And so I know you will, as you always do. <coughs> Let's put our best foot forward. If you're a Sunday school teacher, this is not the week to be late. Okay? This is the week to be early. Okay, so maybe you need to change your clock back and fool yourself. I don't know what you got to do. But let's be early. If you work in the nursery, ministries, singers, uh, choir, let's all be in our place and, uh, 
and let's make, let's make people feel very, very welcome. And I'm, I, I know that you will, but um, again, we've just had an amazing year, and it's due to you, and, um, and we need to keep that up. So we're, <coughs> we started, we, we, we wrote two discipleship books during COVID to redo our whole discipleship, uh, uh, the way we, the books we use, and we wrote Follow After, and that was the first one, and then we did Continue On. I don't know how long we've been teaching through both of them together. I do know this. I remember when I started on Follow After, we were still outside under the tent. Okay, how many remember outside under the tent? Wasn't that a blessing? Yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, it was great, but man, when the wind would blow, okay, and, and then, and then uh, remember we couldn't find heaters anywhere, it was freezing, and then we, Brother Ross found about 20 heaters right about the time that summer started. So um, thank you, Brother Ross, that was great. We're talking this, we're going to finish up probably tonight. We're going to look at, we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. We have two left. Today we're going to look at meekness. Now, meekness is misunderstood. Meekness is a hard heart attitude that <coughs> is shown by really humble actions. Okay? And really, the greatest sin that all of us face is pride. And I'm so thankful I got over that. I just really am. <laughs> Was that you, Lucero? Yeah, I figured. Uh, <coughs> I went to school with him. Only one of us grew up, all right? <coughs> Not saying who. But <coughs> we all struggle with that. And humility has seen pride. A lot of times, humility is seen how we see ourselves, but it's also seen in how we react to a situation, how we react to another person. And so, meekness is very, very important. The Bible describes Jesus in many, many ways. <clears throat> it tells us of the many qualities which he possessed. <clears throat> but how did, what did Jesus say of himself? Look at Matthew there, if you have the book. Um, if, you don't, if you don't have it, um, you shouldn't buy it. We're going to be done, okay? Uh, just go through discipleship, the second one, we'll give you a copy. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For he says, I am meek and lowly in heart. Because those two go together. A person who's not lowly in their heart is not going to be a meek person. And by the way, meek person doesn't mean you let people run all over you. Okay? You respond correctly in a situation. And um, particularly in a humble manner. Most people think that meekness is a weakness, right? When we think of meek, we think of some guy that's afraid of his own shadow, you know, uh, you know like a guy that's afraid of a, a mouse and he's jumping on the bed, something like that, real, you know, effeminate or whatever. That's not, meek, that, that's not meekness, okay? That's actually femininity, but um, that's not meekness. Meekness, is, uh, meekness really is a sign of strength, and I'll explain that in a minute. Our last one is temperance. And the fact of the matter is, if a person is meek, it's probably because they've also nailed temperance, if you think about it, and I'll explain that in a minute. <clears throat> we have a tendency to see strength as acting out on our own behalf, getting what's ours, <clears throat> not, <clears throat> not you know, um, getting our way defending ourselves, and all these different things. Now, again, if you need to defend yourself, defend yourself, but that's not necessarily strength. Sometimes the strongest person is the one who could be in an argument, 
who could say that mean thing, who could do that mean action, and they choose not to. Okay? Even if they were actually be, would in their own mind or really in the minds of the world be justified. What we fail to understand is, of course, meekness is not weakness <clears throat> because it requires a really uncommon strength. Someone, had says, someone has said that meekness is strength under control. That's why it's so cl- close to humility. See, because if I'm proud, if I'm, if I'm pride, if I'm, I don't want to say that word either. If I'm proud, I will lash out at others. Because how dare them do that to me, I'm in the right. But a person with meekness says, it doesn't matter if I'm in the right, this situation doesn't call for that, maybe I should just back down. Let it go. By the way, do you know you don't have to argue or get your way in everything? Okay, you don't. And so meekness understands that. That's why it's so close to humility. One of the strongest leaders in the Bible, of course, was Moses. What does the Bible say about Moses in Numbers chapter 12, verse 3? Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Now let me just say this. If you look at Moses, Moses was not a weak guy. When he was still in Pharaoh's court, he stood up alone against taskmasters that, that were uh, uh, hurting people. In fact, he, well, he probably went overboard. He killed one. But, so Moses could get out of control. Music, Moses could show his strength. But when he got to leading God's people and God got a hold of him, he was a very meek man. Okay? Look, let me explain how he is. Ready? <clears throat> Several times, the children of Israel, God got irritated with them. And I think it was a couple times he said, you know what, Moses? Let me just get rid of all these people, and we'll start over with you. Now, you saw how those people acted. Now, if that was me, when God said, Moses, I'm going to destroy these people, and I'm going to start with you, I'm like, okay, how far away should I stand? So that when you get them, I don't get any of that. Over here? What did Moses always do? Lord, don't do that. And he'd even give an argument why God shouldn't do that. Okay? And they, and guess who got the brunt of their, of their uh, um, I was gonna, meanness? Moses got it. They came to him. He was a very meek man. And so that, that's what we should strive for to be as Jesus Christ. It's not in your book, but in, it is in the book. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 and six, eight, 5 to 8, talking about Jesus, said, Let this mind or mentality be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What that means by robbery, robbery doesn't mean, uh, means that it's something he chose not to go for. In other words, his whole purpose to come to this earth wasn't to to be God and, and, and he was God. His purpose was to be a servant. His purpose was to die. Okay, and so it wasn't here to, you know, to use his powers to, to do things that, you know, uh, we would think God would protect himself. No, Jesus came to be a servant, and he came in humility. Someone has said, well, how does he, how does he get rid of his strength like that? Think of it this way. If, um, if, if you, if, I don't think we have anybody that has, that can't see in here, but, so nobody in here that I know of, I don't know if it's politically incorrect to say blind, is that politically incorrect? 
We'll find out if YouTube censors the video. But, um, but if well, none of us are blind in here, but if every single one of us closed our eyes, even though we're not blind, of course, if you close your eyes in church, it's probably because you fell asleep, okay? But if you close your eyes, you're not blind. You're choosing not to use your sight that you do have. And there was cases where Jesus wasn't, could have used his powers that he had as being God, and he chose not to because he came as a servant. He came. That's what it's saying there. Verse 7 of Philippians 2. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, think of this, the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so meekness is vitally important. It helps us, to, it helps us to, to be patient with others who are struggling. It helps us to, to, to be patient in conflicts and all these different things. And it's very, very important. But sometimes we look at somebody who's in trouble, somebody that maybe has had issues in their life, and if we're not careful, pride will creep in. Yeah. Well, they deserve that. Okay, well, we all deserve help. You know, well, that, that's, that's on them. That's this or that or other. That or, so, so what does Galatians tell us? Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, Galatians 6.1, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. And you know how we restore them? Look at this. In a spirit of meekness. Huh. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. If we look at someone that gets involved in something horrific and makes a mess and ruins our life, and we have a proud attitude towards that, God says, you need to look at that in meekness because that could be you. Now, I'm not saying you would do that, but we are all flesh. And when pride kicks in, we start to do things we shouldn't, and we may place ourselves in situations we shouldn't, and what happens is we're putting ourselves in a bad spot. And so we need to consider that. We need to look at them and say, that could be me. I could make that mistake. And we need to love them and help them. The Bible does tell us, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And we need to respond properly in difficult situations. Other verses, not in the book. Titus 3, 2. To speak evil of no man, be not brawlers, be gentle, showing all meekness to all men. Yep. By the way, when we're critical, we're not being meek. Oh, but pastor, it's true. Right? You know, Satan, the devil, that stuff means like criticism and gossip. That's what he literally was. And what he says to God, a lot of times, it's true about us. And so be very careful. You know why we like to talk about others? Because we feel better about ourselves. Instead of thinking about what happens to others and thinking, except for the grace of God, that could be me. 1 Timothy 6.11, But thou, O man of God, flee these things. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, Meekness. It's important. So God wants us to be meek. Now, let's look at the last one because the last one will help us with that. Temperance. Temperance. Temperance is moderation, is a moderation in controlling our actions and attitudes. I may use the word self-control, and I understand that, but it's really spirit-led self-control. Now, we have to be very careful about this. 
If we think solely is self-control, only what I do, then we take the Spirit's part out of it. But, I'll walk over here, this is the other side. If I take the Spirit's part, uh, if I take the, the if, if I'm like, well, it's the Spirit's job, then I'm not going to put the effort in and God's not going to bless that either. Yeah. I heard someone preach a message many years ago. Here was a title. It sounds heretical. God helps them who help themselves. Now, that's not a biblical concept, but the concept behind it is. You see, we're, God wants to change our lives, and as we put the effort in to do the things God wants us to do, the Spirit energizes us and gives us the strength to be able to do it. But He doesn't help us to do it if we don't put the effort in. Does that make sense? Do you understand? So, so you have to have the balance on both sides. And so temperance, understand what I'm saying. If I say self-control, it's like we can do this under the Spirit's control. Uh, and it's very important, but it just takes some just down-to-earth character, do what you're supposed to do type of things. It does involve that. We must decide if we're going to do the right things, and, and, we, and if we're going to decide to do the right things, then we have to decide not to do the wrong things. And if we have to draw a line in the sand in our life, that's what we do. Amen. We're just going to do the right thing. And if it's something that God wants us to do, and we put the effort in and we rely on Him, we can get it done. It is only as we are controlled by the Spirit <clears throat> that we can control our flesh and our desires. Well, you say, if that's true, if it's just the Spirit, that, then I can go hang out in places where I'd be tempted, but I'm right there because the Spirit is, is going to give me the power to overcome that. Here's a principle. I think I mentioned it recently. You do not take Bible, you do not take Bible verses apart from other Bible verses. They all go together. So if the Spirit's the one that gives us the power to do it, and yet God still tells us we're supposed to do it, the two go together. Yep. Okay? So, I, you know, I, I'm, trying to have, I'm trying to have the Spirit's power to get over the sin, but it's not working. Well, maybe you shouldn't go places where they're sinning. Come on. That's temperance. Okay? Maybe you shouldn't get close to doing those things that would be wrong, or things that throw those, that weakness in your life. Yep. And the Spirit will help you to do that. Now, <clears throat> The key verses in here, and I'll read one verse and we'll look at the others in a minute. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25. <clears throat> and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Paul used a lot of sports analogies, something they would understand in their day. Because, I'll, uh, to be honest with you, uh, uh, it's not just talent that makes a difference in athletes, right? It, it, that's not it. Most of the athletes, once they get paid, how come their numbers go down? I got my money. Why do I have to hit the gym as hard? I like to party. Not me, but, um, you know, I like, to, I like to live my life and do my things and I'll just show up for the game. That's not how you, you get success. Yeah. Success is what you do before the game. Yeah. Success is, you know... Uh, 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 I said before, I won't give the whole quote, but Joe Frazier, the, the bo uh, great boxer of the 70s, said, I don't have to get up at 5 in the morning and run. No one will ever see it if I don't. He goes, but when I step in that ring and they turn the lights on, everybody's going to know whether or not I got up at 5 in the morning and ran. Okay. And so that's, that's the sport analogies. He said, <coughs> you run, you got, you're in it, you got to be committed to it, have a goal. 
Uh, so, we, so when we think typically, we think of physical abilities, God speaks of strength, uh, of internal in abilities. Real strength is seen in how we control ourselves. These verses aren't in the, in the book, but they're in God's book, and they're very powerful. Proverbs, two verses in Proverbs. <clears throat> Proverbs 14, verse 29. He that is slow to wrath. By the way, that's how you tell if you have temperance. Okay? If you have anger issues, you do not have temperance. And you need to get that thing under control. Okay? Well, there's a righteous, there's a righteous indignation. I know, and 90% of what you're doing isn't that. Okay? I mean, if you blow up and you're out of control and, and it is just, you go from, you know, all of us get upset every now and then, I get that. But if you go to zero to 100 and you stay at 100 for a while, that's a problem. Okay, and uh, he said, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Understand, you think of understanding, you think of knowing something, knowledge, right? I understand that. I get the point behind it. I get the principle behind it. Look what he says is great understanding, your action. When a person controls their anger, it's because they understand the truth that it's a bad thing. And it doesn't lead to anything good. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. Huh. You could be some, what do they call it, like 90-pound weaklings? And you control your spirit? And some guy that's got muscles in his ears flies off the handle? You have the real strength. You do. That's where strength comes from. And he says, He that ruleth his spirit, then he that taketh a city. That's kind of a big thing, right? Like um, uh, Caleb. He offered, he offered uh, there was a battle, and Caleb's daughter must have been super cute. Because he goes, hey, if you win the battle, you can have my daughter. I'm pretty sure, you know, I mean, you know it's like, uh Pass. No. Uh, <laughs> that guy got a group together and went, went and beat him. You know, that, that's, that's kind of a, a guy. So the strong guy isn't the guy that takes the city. It's the one who rules the spirit. Yep. Okay? Someone give me the ultimate Bible illustration of somebody. Thank you. Uh, I say it often, but <clears throat> in the book of Judges, there was different judges that came on the scene. <clears throat> and each judge would rally the troops with God's help, and they would defeat whatever enemy was bothering them at that time. Did you know Samson didn't have an army? Samson was the army. Yeah. Read it. What was it, 3,000 guys attacked him? He got a jawbone and took them all out. Yeah. I mean, he didn't need an army. Are you with me? Okay, he never asked for help. It's like, I got this, it's covered. But yet, how did he end up? With his eyes gone? being mocked by pagans, and he had to lose his life to get one more ounce of strength to take them out. Yep. You see, Samson was physically strong, but he was spiritually weak. Yep. And by the way, <coughs> guess what his, guess what his uh, weakness was? Women. Hey, Dad, uh, get me this woman. She, please, she pleases me well. No, uh, get me this woman. They're like, no, she's not of our daughters. What's going on? She pleases me. Get her. And this is a message for another day, but his parents, who first argued with him, gave in. That's why you don't give in to your children. Yeah. 
you're teaching them to not have a, 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 a spirit that listens. But that's a message. So Samson, <coughs> look, if there was a fight, he's the guy you want on your side. Because you could sit down and have juice, and he'd take care of the whole thing. But if, if you want someone with moral character, stay away from him. And so who's the real strong one? The one that can control themselves. The one that can act in a wrong way or act out wrong in a relationship, and yet they keep it together and they keep it under control. So <clears throat> that's important. Another verse in Proverbs. <clears throat> he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. What's the significance of a city that's broken down and without walls? That was the primary form of defense for that city. You see, uh, uh, you, you know this already. The weaponries was, was nothing like ours. So a strong wall, it could take a year or two for an enemy to beat through it. And most of them just did not have the resolve or the resources to do that. So your strength was, you're covered. But God says, if you, don't, if you have no rule over your own spirit, you're like a city that's broken down without walls. They were susceptible to any enemy at any time. Do you understand? If you can't control yourself, you're going to have a lot of problems. I'm not being mean here. It's, probably, it's just the truth. You get a person that gets struggled and they're on drugs. They usually have a little bit of a lack of self-control. And you'll see it in other areas. That's why a lot of times anger goes with that kind of lifestyle. A person that has an overly wicked lifestyle, and they're always doing this thing, all that stuff, they're going to have anger issues too. That's just how it works. They have no rule over their own spirit. And by the way, it's a, it's a pretty hard thing to, to have that because, because of who we are, but that's why if we strive to have it and we're following the scripture, the spirit will strengthen us to be able to do that. That's called character. You know, in our Bible class with the kids, I, I've been teaching for a few weeks on character. It's who you are on the inside. It's, it's what you do when no one else is around. It's what you do, even if it doesn't matter, if you didn't do it. Well, I can get away with this. You go to work and everybody else, let me meddle, everybody else is lazy. Well, we're getting the same pay and the boss doesn't work. Doesn't matter, you're a Christian. Character says I work. I worked at a place when we first moved back, uh, Toshiba, out in Irvine. The first day I went to work, we're working in a warehouse. First day. I had a training of a couple days, but I go to the, I show up at the time that we're supposed to start work. I'm a little bit early. Crew of about 20, there's three of us when work started. Three. You didn't have to clock in. They had a little sheet, and you just wrote down the time that you got there. And the guys, and most of the guys came late every day, and they just write the time, and the boss didn't care if they lied. And I remember that first day, one of the guys that was there early walked up to me and just, are you the kind of guy that shows up on time every day? I'm like, yeah. He goes, you'll be one of the only ones. And sure enough, one day it was raining and traffic, and I showed up late. I looked at that paper. <laughs> Ten minutes late. Like, you know, everybody else does it, right? The boss doesn't care. But I had to write 810 or whatever, yeah. 710. Yeah. Okay? It doesn't matter if you can get away with it. Character is like, I do the right thing because I'm supposed to. Okay, it doesn't, if it's what I'm supposed to do, it doesn't matter if the world gets away with it, we do the right thing. Okay, controlling ourselves. We looked <coughs> at those verses and, um, about temperance in 1 Corinthians. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but everyone receiveth the prize, so run that we may obtain. But if you go on in the verses, uh, in, the, in that whole set of verses, it explains some things. 
okay? And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. It tells us that, first of all, we're in a spiritual race. That's the, that's the analogy he's using. And so if you're going to be successful in that race, you have to understand that you are in that race. And understanding that you are in that race means you're going to do the things you're supposed to do to run the race correctly and do the best that you can. And then he says, every man that strives for the mastery is tempered all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So run that you may obtain. Okay? He says, you should run to win. Right? I mean, you know, we have teams here in our school. We don't do it so the kids can just have fun. We want them to have fun. But you know what I have found? It is so much funner when you win. Okay, we have a goal. Now, we don't always win, but it's like, if we don't win, I don't like it, uh, but we did our best. But it's like, but that's, we're not going in there saying, you know, let's just have a good time and be Christians. Yeah, be a Christian, but you know, Christians win. You know, you know it's like, do your best. You have to have a goal in mind. Now, at the end of the season, <clears throat> you gave it you all, your all, and you didn't win. Go home, say, hey, I did my best. We'll move on, and we'll try it next year. But listen, when you're in it, win. Amen. Go for the win. Do everything it takes to win. That's what he tells us. And by the way, <clears throat> isn't that how we should be as Christians? Because that's the analogy. See, we want to be half-hearted. Could you imagine? I'm in a race, but, you know, I'll run a little bit. But, you know, I don't want to run anymore. Oh, maybe in 10 minutes I'll run. That's how you do it. You go for it. But that's how most Christians are. And then they would, if, if, look, if the analogy is a race, we wonder why they never win. Sometimes the other team's just better. But, you know, a lot of times uh, it's just that you're not giving your all. Okay? You're not giving your all. Christianity is not going to work for you if you don't give your all. I'm just being honest with you. I just, you know, it's just kind of, just, you know, this Sunday I'm open and that day I'm here and I, I'll do it. But, yeah, it, it's not going to work. You got to be all in, okay? Try that in a marriage. I'm halfway in. Guess what? In a few years, you're going to be all the way out. Okay? It doesn't work. We have to be prepared to run. We have to give it our all. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So we have to, if the analogy is our lives and we're running our, li our race, is our <coughs> Christian life we're running, we have to determine what kind of race we want to run. Do we want to run a temple race? In other words, only for what's of this world. And we get a corruptible crown. doesn't last forever. Oh, it may be nice while you're on this earth, but it's of no spiritual significance. Or do you want to run an eternal race and get an incorruptible crown? A lot of people that think they're winning down here are losing up there. I'm just being honest. You know, what's the treasure principle? I can't take what I have with me to heaven, but I can send it up ahead. And by the way, that's not just giving. That's living. That's serving. That's caring. That's seeing the eternal. I get it. We all have to deal with the temporal things. Don't get me wrong. But we don't see the eternal as being so important. And so we're, we're going to live our lives chasing whatever this thing is we think we want, we think we need, and we may get it someday, and we may look back and say, you know, that's not really what life was all about. Right. Okay? But we'll never regret what we do for eternity. You know, you look at the uh, trophies. Our kids, <coughs> a 
they all got trophies and stuff for whatever they did and stuff. You, you know what those trof trophies look like? First of all, they usually end up in a box in our garage. Oh, I want to keep those. They're really important to me. You're 30, man. Get over it. Okay? Quit living your high school. Get in a bowling league and get a new trophy. Do something, man. Okay, cornhole. <laughs> cornhole. They have professional... I can't even understand that. What do you do for a living? I eat nachos and I throw bean bags. Man, I, if you make money, I'll do it. I don't know. But, but you know, they tarnish, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and they just... I remember our girls, the first year I coached our girls' volleyball team. I'm like, I'm like, the first couple games, I didn't even know the rules. I'll just be real honest with you. And I, I went to the ref, I'm like, what's that all about? He gave me a yellow card. And I'm like, he goes, that's a rule. I'm like, really? You give yellow cards? Did you, how many of you knew you got a yellow card in volleyball? I'm probably the only coach in our school that ever got one. I'm like, really? You, you get that? He goes, yeah. I'm like, okay. I learned the rules, and I thought, you know, if I have to do this, we're going to win. And so I did everything I could to make those girls better and win. I didn't even know the rules, but I figured them out and, and made them run and did a bunch of things, all cried. Needy, were you on that first team? You, it was kind of, it was bad to start, right? We didn't even know what we were doing. No, we didn't even, I, I didn't know what a setter was. I thought it was one of those Irish dogs, you know? <laughs> but by the end of the year, we're in the tournament, and I thought, these girls, they're going to win. And, and, and their jerseys were Remember the jerseys? They were horrible. And my wife and I paid to get them new jerseys for the championship tournament. I thought, at least they can look good, right? And uh, sure enough, we won the championship. We got that big first place trophy. We worked hard. I was very proud of the girls. Uh, I mean, they hated me, but we won. <laughs> and I remember I had that big 15-passenger van, and I was bringing the girls home. They're all sitting in the van, and I put that trophy we worked all year, and I, I drove, and the first time I hit the brakes, the trophy fell forward and broke the girl's arm off. So here's this volleyball girl. No arm. <laughs> I'm like... What happened here? You know, it wasn't about the trophy, okay? Um, but <coughs> think, of, think of our lives like that. I got, this, I got this thing that the world wants, and yet it has no eternal value, okay? So run your life. What's the bottom line here? I have no clue. Uh, <laughs> the bottom line is when it comes to temperance, we need to make sure that we don't do the things we necessarily want to do all the time. We do the things that God wants us to do and the things that are right. Amen. And we have to rebuke our flesh. Yeah. Jesus said, Luke 9, 23, And he said unto them all, If any man come after me, let him deny himself. Ouch. Have you ever done that? Don't, don't be proud, but if you want to be proud, here's, here's one thing a little bit. You can have take a little bit of, not pride, but give it a different word. You could say something to somebody in a situation that can make an argument worse, and you don't. Come on. You diffuse it. Go, Walk away and say, hey, that's strength. Not like, what do you do to my face? You know, I showed them. Okay, you showed them. You showed them you're not a very good Christian. Okay, let's move on. That's temperance. So that's the fruit of the Spirit, and we will stop there. And uh, it only took us a couple years to get through all this. Thank you. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for loving us, and we thank you for the word. <clears throat> we thank you for the spirit, the spirit which will develop these qualities in our life as we walk with you and as we put the effort to put them into practice in our life. Thank you for loving us.
Bless us now, Lord. We pray that as we are getting ready for Easter, God, that you would just give us a tremendous Sunday. Lord, I pray there would be many new people here. I pray folks would be, more importantly, saved on that Sunday. I pray if anybody comes to our church on Sunday and they don't know you as their Savior, that they will be saved on that day. God bless us. May we honor and glorify you in our lives and all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.